Welcome back, listeners, to the Kickball Change podcast. We are a grassroots program offering insight and inspiration to young teens and adults looking to carve out a path in the creative and performing arts world. So our guests range from performing artists, musicians, hairstylists, and more. All of our guests will be discussing their own kickball change moments and how they grew through them. And our hopes is to inspire this next generation of artists to pursue their own creative dreams. With that, we have our beautiful co-host today. We will be throwing out, moving, and interchanging our co-hosts. And we want our co-hosts to, to bring that youth, that inspiration that artists all have. Our co-host today, we have Gabby. She is a high school junior. Hi. <laughs> Don't be afraid of the mic. We also have Maddie. She is a high school senior at a communications high school. Hi. They are both dancers uh, trying to decide what their next path will be. And our resident co-host joining next with them is Miss Barbara. She hey. is a, there it is. She, she's a studio owner of over 35 years. She has seen it all, the growth, the development, and the changes, not only in the performing world, um, but also in the teaching world for dancers, for students, how dancers approach classes. And I think that's an important part of the kickball change moments is we all have different paths that change, that move us and inspire us in different directions. So I'm extremely jazzed to introduce our amazing guest today. Her name is Liuba Cassot. Liuba, thanks for joining us. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited for this conversation today. I love it. So I need to give you your shout outs because girl, you deserve them. You are an award-winning choreographer. Right. Based in New York City, although uh, hailing from Copenhagen, Denmark, but now residing in the northern part of California. So can we just say you're you're just worldwide? <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Aren't right. we all? Uh, absolutely. Aren't we all? Right. We're, I mean, if you think about it, you know, when you really think about it, we're all in this together. We're on this big planet that's just spinning around in the middle of nowhere. So we're, we're all neighbors. We're all home. Um, so whether West Coast, East Coast, another side of the world, we're all, we're all unified and we're all united. And I think that's an important part. And, and the arts unify us. So let's keep going, right? So Liuba, you came to New York to pursue your passion of dance and movement. And you began your studies at the Merce Cunningham Modern Dance Studio. Um, I think that, that it's enough to say that that opened your perspective on communities, culture, and movement. Uh, let's get to it. What was that experience like? Um, so, yeah, I definitely, um, I had been in New York right out of high school because uh, I had finished sort of a, a full-time dance program in Denmark. So I had traveled to New York with a friend of mine um, to just kind of dance, uh, <laughs> as, as many people do, because um, it sort of is the mecca of a lot of different type of of dance training, both very codified and then very kind of like non-codified, more based in community and people in um, underground scene, things like that, uh, culture, different types of culture. Because of the eclecticness of New York, it just sort of lends itself to that type of landscape. Um, but so I definitely, I went um, out of high school just to dance and I got connected to um, the studio that uh, steps on Broadway. Can I, where can I, I enter, <laughs> can I interfere real quick? Go for it. <laughs> when you were in Copenhagen, like, is, mm -hmm. is that a place, is New York a place where everyone wants to go or just 
did everyone like aspire to go to New York or, or as a dancer or was everybody just okay with staying there and doing their thing in Copenhagen? And like what? Inspired- That's a great question. Um, in my experience, uh, I, I grew up dancing there, and I had there. I had we have. There's a community. There's a different communities actually, um, and most people in my in my circle that I came up with ended up either staying um, in Denmark um, and sort of more leading. The industry a little bit. Um, there is there is a fair amount, or at least at the time that I was there, it there was a fair amount of work. Mm-hmm. There's a fair fair amount of fair amount of um, like well paid work, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so it sort of was for at least my group. It was it was definitely an option to stay and explore being a working dancer. Um, maybe sooner than other places, if that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, with maybe even less of like maybe a technical background, mm-hmm. um, you could sort of become a working dancer. Um, yeah, I would say like a little bit sooner for, <laughs> for some people. Right. And that's the, that was the breaking point for me because I wanted to train more. Okay. I wasn't quite satisfied with my own journey. I didn't think I was like, yeah, I got it. Let yeah. me go work. Like I wanted to, yeah. uh, I wanted to explore, um, just getting better. Yeah. That was sort of my mindset. And, and yeah, so, uh, to answer your question, a lot of people stay, some people go, um, especially now, a lot of people go to other places in Europe. There are some great dance programs there and there's, um, there's a lot of work in the more commercial aspect of the industry in different parts of Europe, specifically London. So a lot of people go to London, mm-hmm. which is, an hour away from Copenhagen mm. if you fly. <laughs> ah. So it's very easy to get there. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people went there uh, to kind of spend time, take class, network, work, you yeah. know, stuff like that. Yeah. So you came to New York and you started with the Merce Cunningham uh, Modern Dance School. And uh, it's pretty amazing because Merce Cunningham, for our listeners, he was very intrigued by the potential of random phenomenon. Um, and his structure uh, was inspired through music, through life, through culture. And I think, you know, especially like you pointed out, New York City is the melting pot. It is the mecca of arts and culture. And you can walk down the streets of New York and you can look in you know, a fifth floor window and you can see classically trained dancers in ballet at the bar with their hair pulled back. And on the next block, you can see street dancers just, you know, no, you know, just there with their own unique element and it's all accepted, which is such a, uh, an amazing part. Um, what was your, your roots are dance, right? In Denmark, your roots are dance. Is it heavy ballet? What was your style or your forte? And what drew you to the modern dance element, which then opened you up to all of what you're doing these days? Mm. Thank you for asking. Um, good question. <laughs> uh, so I think uh, for me, I, I mean, I started with ballet as a kid. Um, and my mom was a avid dance, dance enthusiast. And she was very into... Um, 
the arts as well. Like she was a patron and would go and see things and would bring me as a kid. She was a single mom. So she would bring me (laughs) and I just, you know, she would bring me to her own classes. So I was just kind of always around dance and either she was dancing or I was dancing or someone else was dancing. We were watching. watching. (laughs) It was just a lot of dance, 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 dance. So it was just kind of a natural part of my life. I quit ballet at age 10 (laughs) Mm. Um, because I was like, you know what, mom, this, this was, and it was actually a very, I was in a very ambitious ballet program as a kid, (laughs) but at age 10, I was like, I don't want to do this. And my mom respected that. And I sort of took like a year break where I did other things. And then I got into like, um, more contemporary and modern dance. I started with like jazz (laughs) and then I was like, this is fun. The music is different. I'm still moving. The movement was a little bit different, but because I already knew ballet, I was like, Oh, this is kind of like, you know, this is, I can, I can process this. Um, and so I just started exploring in my teen years, um, more different styles, whatever was available in Denmark, which was, you know, it depended on who was in, who was there. Um, there's some summer workshops that they do that bring in choreographers from different parts of Europe, um, even the U S and things like that. So it was, but it was very contemporary and modern. Like I was definitely with all the modern dance adults. Mm-hmm. Uh, in exploring that. Um, so I think maybe that's what got me to also appreciate um, uh, Merce Cunningham uh, and even pursue, like when I was in New York, that's when I went to Cunningham to lo- to check it out. It was more to make my mom happy because my mom was like, you can't be in New York and not go and check out Merce Cunningham. I love <laughs> He's it. a legend. <laughs> she knows. <laughs> and I was like, okay, mom. So I went, I bought like a 10 class card and then... Um, I took 10 classes and I thought, oh my God, this technique was just really spoke to me. Mm-hmm. And that's when I, I started making plans to come and be in the program full time. And then I just did a little, went back to Denmark, did a little, had to accumulate some funds and some grants and fun things yeah. um, to be able to financially, you know, get a visa and, and oh, yeah. be true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was like the biggest hurdle at that point, which um, was manageable my age. I could stay with my mom and just make money and, you know, um, establish the, the requirements mm. for getting a visa to come and study in the U S now, uh, did you, was it a, a working artist visa? Is that, uh, what you yep. had to establish? I know there's different, um, arts right. and cultural visas that are offered throughout, which is yes. they're great platforms and programs, but can be very detrimental or, or just time consuming. Um, that could almost, mm. you know, offer like your first kickball change, right? That, that moment of like derailing that motivation and that drive, because you have to go back and you have to create, mm. you know, structure on that end. And all you want to do is create your performance and open yourself up with that. How did you manage uh, to keep your creative juices flowing? And to stay inspired, even though, say, you had to go mm-hmm. back. Whereas, you know, dancers that live in, in the States and, you know, our two young dancers here, they're they're born and raised in New Jersey. They're driving, driving distance to New York City. They have that at their disposal. Um, what would you say to traveling artists? <laughs> um, that was the, the – and that I understand – that's actually a very um, – the position that you just outlined for, for Maddie and for Gabby is, is very, is great. <laughs> the proximity mm-hmm. should definitely be cherished. Uh, cause I think, uh, it, I think that can, you know, can easily get into a, like a mindset of like, Oh yeah, but I don't want to go today or whatever, but it is, 
it, it like a lot of people really fight to be able to even study in New York City. Yep. Yeah. And myself included. Right. <laughs> right. Um, it was it was really tough to because what you have to do as a as an immigrant or as a potential immigrant or a stu- student, not even an immigrant, like before you're that, as a student, you have to really prove that I had to prove to my own country that I should go because they're the ones who had to sort of help. And I live in a, Denmark is a privileged country. Like the <laughs> fact that I even have access to grants mm-hmm. is like, what? But yeah. I had to prove to them that this was something that me, I should do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that would be a value for them and they should invest in that. <laughs> so I had to prove that to them and then also, you know, make sure I got access to the school and to the visa. But that visa was like was contingent upon finance only. Okay. Like that's not, let's, let's be real. Like right. it's not visas for studying abroad are completely contingent upon financial like capability. They're not really talent based. So you're, so a, yeah. So a, a visa, um, a student visa, you can't make any money, right? You can't get a job. Yeah. So you're yes. lucky. You can get a job. <laughs> so you how did not, you make money? I, like what did you, yes. you just depended on your grants from your country? Your you have to make country? the money up front. That's why you have to prove uh, that you have money once to get the visa. Uh, <laughs> so uh, not only did I need the grants, I needed to also work for the amount of time that I was in Denmark and accumulate money to have in my bank account. To sh- I have to, you have to literally print out my bank statements and give them to. So that's serious drive. And that's vulnerability right there. You know, I mean, grown adults have issues printing out and showing people their financial records. And here you are, a young student, and you have to find, and, you know, I'm sure they probably went through it with a fine, uh, you know, Fine tooth comb. That's the that's the saying, right? The fine tooth comb. You know, they, they went through your financial records, and I, you know... For for young students, you know, you may not even realize the uh, the impact, right? The emotional impact of because that's a vulnerability, right? That's that's something that we we, we tend to keep personal of our finances. That's not usually uh, on display, and we talk about, and you know, it's it, we're raised that way too, right? So yeah, right. Th- that that's a whole drive in and of itself. And the fact that I don't she even think left I her thought about that. Yeah. I was just so focused on getting so focused. there that you don't think I don't. I'm at this point. I'm 20 years old, I think, and I was just like, yeah, no, I just gotta go. Like, yeah. and that <laughs> put, that propelled you forward into you know into the powerhouse that you are now because you weren't taking no for an answer, and and perhaps that kickball change that coming back and and reworking mm. through your finances to to prove your grant you know subconsciously created that that extra drive for you to prove to everybody else that who you are and, and the talents that you have and i mean it shows you have yeah. awards for days <laughs> well also i think that um living in denmark and leaving her parents at age 20 her mom or single mom like that's scary isn't wasn't it scary for you or you were just so excited that like i i'm looking at them going would you leave mom and dad to go to new york to stay for a little bit no well that's not i mean it would be like us going to london or denmark you know what i mean like that's like across like a different continent yeah like new york isn't that far i still could come home if i wanted to. yeah we could be like hey mom i'm coming home for dinner (laughs) yeah (laughs) obviously you couldn't do that (laughs) 
Right. And you know what? I mean, my mom traveled when she was young and her whole MO has been to me very independent. So I think she was very upset that that's what I wanted to do. But I think she realized really fast. She was like, oh, yeah, that's what I did. with yeah. my parents. And, <laughs> and she created that for you. That I mean, right. she brought yeah. you to the, all those totally. art programs, which is. Yeah. Um, so it's her fault, basically. No, <laughs> no, but I mean, I think I actually spent that's also a visa in related thing is I spent the first, I want to say four plus years. I didn't go back to Denmark because my visa, like the way my visa was structured was I actually couldn't, if I was going to stay within my status, I actually didn't, I wasn't allowed to leave and come back, which is very weird. But like, it's one of those things I was like, well, I guess that's the, that's what sign up for. So here I am four years. Like, and it was (laughs) just to set the record straight on my visa. I was extremely lucky and privileged and I'm so grateful. I actually didn't have a regular student visa because Cunningham at the time offered an exchange visitor visa, which is a J one visa that I actually found out that you can work and make money on if you work within 20 hours per week, ah. um, that's part. And so I started really quickly because money, I mean, in the U S money just Oof. goes like on nothing, right. You're just like to even exist. Yeah. So I actually got on a scholarship with Merce Cunningham and then I got on a full scholarship because I started working, um, at, at like front desk duties and things like mm. that. So I actually, was able to use and leverage my work visa to work for the institution and then get my tuition covered. And then I was like in a better position because then I could stay a little bit more afterwards and sort of try out what, what is it like working with, Mm -hmm. you know, networking and Mm -hmm. being out of school and being in the dance community in New York city. So that was, a lot of people don't have that. That's a, that's a total privilege. And I don't know, how it happened, honestly. That was just well, the dance world know. is lucky that it happened. Absolutely. There you go. Yeah, the dance world is honored to have you. <laughs> oh yay. That's definitely uh li- likewise. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you know your choreography is so fluid and um and organic. And you know, you've been able to take your choreography your, the form of your choreography, it just, it flows naturally in studio settings, on stage, for TV. Um, for our listeners, if you're not familiar with her, um, please make sure you check out her videos. Um, she was among the 12 choreographers covered by Billboard for their um, iconic choreography and music videos. She's also earned a personal MTV VMA nomination for Best Choreography, as well as a Juno Award for the Video of the Year. Um, both awards were for her work on Keza's Hideaway video, um, which, you know, you're listed, uh, not only as a choreographer, but the director. So you're pretty, uh, pretty multifaceted here. Um, you know, what is that, what does that feel like one to be recognized and congratulations? I know our girls are in awe of that. So, um, <laughs> that most definitely mm-hmm. like what, yes. what is that, <laughs> you know, like, again, you know, your, your movement is so fluid, um, it's just, it's so nice to see. It's very organic, whether again, you're, you're in a stage, you know, you're in studio rehearsals with some of your raw videos that you have that mm-hmm. choreographic process. And then, you know, taking it onto the Ellen show, you know, working with couches mm-hmm. and, and working on Saturday night live that, you know, you have, you have different elements. Uh, you know, you're not just in, you know, in the stage setting, you have other elements, mm-hmm. uh, music videos, working with animation. It's just very, mm-hmm. you know, um, Cool. Organic and cool. Yeah, it's it's really awesome. What, what's your uh, creative process? What what inspires you? What what 
what what creates that? Yeah, yeah. Dope question. Um, <laughs> I'm just it's 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 really interesting to have this conversation because it's forcing me to sort of like figure out like what my own because a lot of like I never actually said hey I'm gonna be a choreographer. That wasn't my plan. I wasn't set to. I wasn't like I'm gonna be a choreographer, guys. Uh, so I'm working <laughs> on that right now, like brand development. Like it wasn't. I was a dancer. And I identified strongly as a dancer. <laughs> and, um, and, and so, but I kept sort of showing up to, to things and then sort of getting, um, either people would sort of view me as like a leader or a choreographer of some sort <laughs> in some instances and would sort of give me opportunities. Hey, you, you want to try to do the eight count over here? And the are like, oh, like, yeah, sure. Like, okay. And yeah. it was very organic that maybe that speaks to the fluidity of the movement that you're, <laughs> that you're citing, because that's the same with the process is I just sort of, I decided my decision was to immerse myself into culture and to be very true to wanting to train more than I had ambitions of wanting to be on camera. Like I was more interested in like getting better and evolving mm -hmm. <laughs> and seeing what that would be. And that was the decision I made. And then the rest was just following that decision and whatever that decision sort of created for me. And that was community of, of that I could grow in. And then in, in the instance of, of my choreography on camera, that was very specifically um, my work with Kaiser, who was at the same time that I was kind of hustling. She was also hustling as an artist. So she actually hired me to be her dancer along with another dancer. And there was a choreographer. And that's how our relationship began to grow. And then she offered me to choreograph wow. Hideaway, not yeah. knowing... So the Not other knowing that I could choreograph. So the other choreographer wow. got the boot, <laughs> and she put total faith in you. And so luck be it. I mean, that's the one that that really rose, you know, career wise, both yeah. for you and for her. Exactly. So there's a lot of like you can plan a lot of things and you can have a lot of intentions, but ultimately, this was something you can't plan for, right? So this was sort of like a unicorn, both the song and and the fact that I even was present to get it because at the time that she created the song, I was very immersed and I still am. I very much identify with the house dance community in and the house music community in New York City. And that was what the song was That's like so cool. derivative of. Yeah. So yeah. I was like... That was your well, element. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, what has been like one of the hardest things you've had to deal with throughout like this amazing journey you've had? Uh, oh my God. <laughs> um, the absolute hardest thing, um, thank you for asking, uh, is, um, and uh, this is something that I'm dismantling as it 2020 and mm -hmm. on, but I'm really, we have time now to really think about these things. Right. And I've really realized how big of an issue this has been for me. Body image has mm -hmm. been the hardest struggle really? and realizing the impact of the struggle with body image as a female identifying person in dance and seeing how that has shaped my decisions and career choices as a dancer has really almost like been, has been really hard for me to, to, to face. Um, and that's a very recent thing. We've all, I've always known like, Oh, that's, it's an issue, but it's always been an acceptable issue in dance. We sort of historically have, <laughs> 
have accepted that that's just part of it, you know? Right. right. And this 2020 just showed me that that's absolutely not acceptable. And I'm, I've always been committed to not perpetuate body image issues into my work. I don't cast her body types. I don't, I just, I don't even look at it. It's not Which part of my, applaud you, you for. can tell. <laughs> right. You can tell from how I cast that it's, I don't, I don't look at it, but I know from working with commercial entities that I'm definitely, they look at it. Yeah, <laughs> they do look at it. Well, all you have to do is stand there exactly. and they're like, yeah, no, yeah. your neck's too short or you don't have a neck or, but let me ask you this on this same thing is, is the body image the same in the U S as it is in Copenhagen? Hagen, however you um, say. So, so the real answer is no, but the, 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 the more like overall, the overarching answer is pretty much because uh, dance culture is mirrors, they mirror each other. And I would say European dance culture, very much, especially in commercial settings, okay. very much mirror. And also in, in ballet world, contemporary, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like they mirror American standards and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that in in part of my dismantling it, it's definitely, you know, I would say it's even been worse in Denmark for me. Um, <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, so because you, Denmark is a homogenous society. It's predominantly white. Right. Uh, which makes it so that there's a certain body type that sort of it's is cookie the cutter. one. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and then everything else is like different mm-hmm. <laughs> um so and i'm not actually fully danish i'm half danish so if you if you put me in a danish context i look very different than the other danish people so even though i'm definitely a white girl uh, but you know what i'm saying like that <laughs> right. that uh that distinction made a difference for me as a dancer and made me feel not completely empowered to be a hundred percent expressive because i always had to like be a little thinner yeah. And that was it. So do you dinner. feel that we've, I mean, right, obviously 2020 was a, a big shift in mm-hmm. cultural movement, uh, dance, society. Um, there's there's so much. And, and I know we probably could just set another podcast just to talk that um, because in the, the dance and the performing arts world, uh, like you said, it mirrors, it reflects culturally what's taking place in society mm. and, and the um, and the features of society and in cultures themselves. You know, mm. and if you look back um, pre-Balanchine, we talk about ballet, you know, mm. there there is a completely different body image for ballet yeah. dancers yes. and a different style for ballet yep. dancers, which, Absolutely. Is, which then it, it began to change and shift. With Balanchine, yes. With Balanchine, you know, the taller, longer, leaner, um, you know, now how lean, you know, the the, the joke, uh, you know, of a, a ballet dancer, her diet is cigarettes and coffee, um, yeah. you know, and now I think we, we're getting into a point where people see what the toll, what that does to the body. And, and now I think it's great that there's a lot of, um, artists, a lot of ballet dancers, former dancers that are coming out and speaking to younger generations about that. I think it's important to talk about nutrition and body image and, you know, seeing the changes, you know, on musical theater, you have Will Rogers Follies and, you know, uh, dancers in musical theater, or, you know, if you're a chorus, you, you know, corpse to ballet, you all look the same, kind of all fit the mold, look the part. Um, you know, some of these, these two girls, uh, dance on a competition team and, you know, something mm-hmm. we've, we've noticed throughout, throughout the years, um, you know, the ever evolving changes of what, 
what a style is, right? What dances and, you know, there's, there's that melting pot of contemporary and jazz and lyrical and they all combine different things. Um, you know, but beginning to notice more of, uh, it's nice to see the acceptance of different body images on stage. Um, and I hope it happens, uh, sooner at the younger, younger levels. But I think we've also noticed that there's the costuming that opens up to the, that sexual content of the female body and the, um, the putting that female body on a pedestal. And I think what's really great about your choreography, um, is you have this organic flow of movement of just fun. And it's, Mm. it's a beautiful thing to see. And your the costuming and the way you, you know, I'm saying costumes because in the dance world, it's costumes, it's a music video, we're costuming it out. All right. We need to know what they're wearing for wardrobe, but it's not to, um, it's not to sell the sex and the sexual content of the female body. It's, it's to, to embrace the movement of the body. And I think, um, you know, I'd love to hear your, your opinion and what you can support and, and offer to the younger generations that are, that are making that transition, you know, when we're seeing these artists take control of a body image and what they can do at, at this younger level, you know, being in high school, going into that next level of, you know, whether, you know, I'm sure you girls probably feel it. I mean, all women 100%. feel it, right? Yeah. I mean, as dancers, we're in a room, we have a mirror in front of us. So we're all like body images always with us as dancers. Yeah. What can you give as words of encouragement or advice to, um, to move past those barriers? <laughs> I, um, well, I would like to maybe turn the question around to Gabby and Maddie about what you're experiencing currently. Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, Like physically, I just went under a thyroidectomy, which is I before couldn't keep fat and carbs on my body. So I was losing weight and not getting muscle mass. So I was even my dance teachers, Barb and Miss Megan had noticed and they were like, they came to my mom and were like, she's not getting built and she's not getting muscle and something's just not adding up because she's putting in the work. And I didn't really feel it at first, but I started noticing it after it was pointed out to me. And after even getting the thyroid taken out, like I've seen improvement, but at the same time, I'm now seeing fat and muscle on my body and I'm not used to that. And looking in a mirror 24 seven, it's like discouraging half of the time. And then other half of the time, you're like, well, I'm getting better as a dancer. Like, why am I not liking my body? And it's just like, it's like you like it, but you don't. And it's like hard to retrain Uh your brain to be like, well, I'm healthy. I need to like this part of me. Yeah. You know? What about you, Matt? Well, I have almost, I mean, not complete opposite body type as Gabby, but I am like naturally more built up, like not, I wouldn't say stocky, but like I do have, I have like the broader shoulders. I have like the, the bigger, more muscular thighs and that, especially in like dance, like looking at other people, it's like, even just looking on stage, you're like, how am I ever going to look like that? But that's like, I know I'm not, I don't have to look like that. I, I have to look like me. I have to be comfortable with who I am. And especially like during the pandemic, I, I struggled a lot, I guess, with like not being able to be in the studio, not like feeling like I was doing enough ex- exercise. So I was exercising more. And now that I've kind of stopped that, we're back at dance. Like I'm, I'm done with the other like exercising. So now I'm like, I feel like I'm putting weight on again. And I'm like, I don't know what to do now because I don't yeah. know. It's like a lot. And, <laughs> and I know you can't Absolutely. see her there or them and they're nowhere near like 
what the government calls obese, which is what, 10 pounds overweight <laughs> yeah. or something now? Like, I don't know. But um, they look perfect to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you for sharing, you guys. That's like, I mean, it's actually heartbreaking that we spend so much energy. Uh, we all do. I mean, I spend so much energy um, fighting against a body that's like very capable of a lot of really cool things. <laughs> and And I feel bad. I'm like, come on. Like, this is like why what has what has gotten me to this place i i don't know if i have like there's no quick fix right but part of my process and part of maybe what you see in the work and thanks megan for also having done a deep dive because i don't actually film class a lot um <laughs> because of this exact reason i feel like the the value system that we put on dance recently in recent years but but it's just amplifying what has always been the value system is like this like very kind of presentational like camera yep. Instagram followers this is my choreo or this is my beautiful, like, <laughs> extension that's up here you see me yeah. like it's very like the energy is just it's it, it it's it's very it's for the like, camera oh like God. it's only for the camera and not for for themselves personally. Or any other purpose. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make me think of community. It doesn't make me yep. think of art. It, and it, I don't, it's tempting, especially when you're an educator, to try to participate and compete because you ha your, your studios put a lot of pressure. And I actually have a question, Ms. Barbara, later about that for you. But um, <laughs> the studios do put a lot of pressure on educators because they have to sell classes to get us to, uh, to market. And it's just like I experienced that my class that I was curating on like Friday night at Perry Dance, which it's a great supportive space uh, in New York City. I really recommend Perry Dance um, to everybody. But well, um, um, Ken we, used to come to our studio. Ken, do you know Ken, what was his last name? Ken something with a K, I think. <laughs> um, Kanishi. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's big. He he's, he. I don't know about Ma Gabby. No, but when Maddie was little, him. like he came down <laughs> a lot to because we lived down the shore, so we're like about an hour from um, the city, and he loved Madison because she's a really good. She could just move. <laughs> he also yeah. choreographs for the um, college I'm going to. So oh, amazing. Hopefully, That's I'll see awesome. him. <laughs> But I found that that working there and have and curating the space I was curating, I I it became really apparent to me. I was like, these kids don't want we don't want to film this because everyone that I was sort of that was gravitating toward my movement had a lot of trauma to work through in movement and in the mm -hmm. perception of them as dancers and how they didn't fit in here or didn't mm -hmm. fit in there and couldn't book this job and you mm -hmm. know it's just so it, it became more of an artistic explorative space mm -hmm. where I would sort of give a framework and then I would give them a lot of freedom to explore that framework and I wouldn't and it would sometimes be very understood like hey we're not filming because <laughs> yeah. some people need this space like it's not a it's not a performative space so we would just kind of like navigate like yeah, you know, sometimes we would film a little bit or or we would film like without being so frontal facing. Mm -hmm. I was also very interested in trying to explore just filming dance in general um, without being so like presentational. Um, so anyway, so I felt like that was a process that helped a lot of us, including myself, take our focus away from our own body types or looks and mm -hmm. mirror. Mm -hmm. um, so and and. So I definitely like my focus is and I would even say that to young dance to you guys like to try to curate a space for you dancing that's your own space or with your friends where you guys can do phrase work or things and not really pay attention to what it looks like but just kind of like maybe have like have a process that doesn't 
involve that because in my experience, it just really helped me even training. It helped me switch my own brain. And when I do go into my more technical training, which is still Merce Cunningham based <laughs> for me, um, I actually have a different outlook. I can think differently about why I'm training. When it comes to the feedback of social media, I really, especially now, I think it's so important that we actively, each as individuals, as young people, as you know, older people, whatever, Try to still curate the space for you that it's not triggering or 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 <laughs> harmful to your psyche. Like try to, if you don't, you don't need to follow people that don't bring you joy when you look at the app. Like you know, mm-hmm. just mute their thing. Like don't look at it. Right. And then also, if if you're sort of addicted to that feedback loop, like I tell this to my artists all the time because they sort of have to be on TikTok and mm-hmm. it can really mess with their mental. Yeah. Because they also, as artists, as singers, they also have to look at all these viral kids and be like, well, how do I? They, well, and they, right. and they need to grow themselves. And, and right now, technology yeah. is a platform to grow yourself. Yes. So it is, you know, we're, we're always uh, working with that Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde kind of yeah. two-tone, right? I tell them, like, you have to curate the space before you engage with it. So especially with TikTok. If you if you go in cold, you're gonna get served all the major trends, and those are gonna be very hard to, <laughs> to emulate. Like I'm just saying, like they're very highly. Don't get it twisted. They're very highly produced. You know, influencers yeah. spend the whole day doing that one video. You know, and we ain't got time for that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so figure out like, okay, am I trying to be an influencer, which happens to 0.001 like right. percent of the world? Or am I, what am I actually doing here? And then go and engage with the app on your own terms without any pressure. Go and start engaging and find things because TikTok is really good for finding your own sort of little algorithm. You don't have to Get, I don't see any trends on there. I see a bunch of activism. I see a bunch of like dismantling yeah. uh, body image stuff. I see a lot of, I actually see some art, some music, like because I've really like engaged with mm-hmm. the, art, the, the content that I didn't, it wasn't like I was like, oh, I have to engage with this because it's viral or something. Yeah, yeah. So, so that they, helped me. And then I can engage with the platform or my artist can engage with the platform in a way that doesn't stress us out. Um, that would, that's my tidbit from my actual life, uh, in dance, I don't really know what the experience is. So I would push the question back to everybody. Sorry. <laughs> what your Girls, do you, do you dance in your room carefree or in the oh, living room? 100%. Or- I always like when I'm in the shower, I'm always like singing and like not fully dancing. Cause that's like a safety hazard, hundred <laughs> percent, but like, I'll do like a little tiny things. I'm like, Oh, like this would be a cool move with the, this step or maybe like this song. Mm-hmm. I think this would be a cool dance. I could like picture it and even like not fully dancing, like you could still picture what like you would want to do. Whereas like Mm -hmm. when you are like in a big room and you have all this space, like you kind of just like, you can't help but like feel like you want to dance. And you're just like, even if it's not choreographed, like improv a hundred percent. Like we sometimes do improv in contemporary class. Improv is like my favorite thing in the world. A hundred percent. Like it's so fun. I, I don't know. I feel like anytime I'm like having a bad day, like literally last week I was like having the worst day in school and I was like, I really just need to go to the studio right now. I didn't end up going because I was like, I don't know if anyone's there because I don't have space in my house. But (laughs) I was just like, I don't know. Then I like put music on and I was fine. But like, I don't know, like improv to me is like whenever we do it, because it's not that often, but it just is like everything that is built up in my brain and 
like anywhere else, all the stress that I'm like holding in my body is just like, whoo, for like it five minutes. Away. Yeah. Even uh, if it comes back after, it just gets that like, <laughs> that initial like five minutes of peace almost. Yeah. 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 I think it's important also as, as, as mentors and as young people that are, that are getting started or that really be a little more critical about who you take class from too, because we can all easily fall into that that thing where it's like, oh yeah, they're big on Instagram. So I'm going to go take yeah. their class mm -hmm. <laughs> versus like, what am I actually really trying to do here? Like, what am I like finding people and finding things and, mm -hmm. and, and being a little more proactive and not so reactive to, um, your own shaping, your own education as a dancer. Um, that's definitely something that I think we can all, and as, and as teach and as educators, even that's even something that, I mean, I take that very seriously. <laughs> like I definitely, I'm after this whole pandemic, my teaching is going to look very different even then, mm -hmm. because I'm like, I can't, this whole world has changed. Yeah. Like we gotta, I gotta really think about how I'm teaching. Am I still perpetuating certain things from my past and how I was taught? Like, like questioning things, like questioning mm -hmm. certain techniques and, where they come from or certain vocabulary, you know, I even have to, I have to evaluate like saying um, that actually happened before the pandemic, but I had to evaluate doing the whole like girls and boys group. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, that's not a thing anymore. Yeah. Like, yeah. Nope. Yep. No nope. convention. Yeah. We'd yeah. always have like yeah. four groups of girls and then the last group was always the guys. Yeah. yeah. And it still happens. Yeah. It still happens. Yep. Yeah. We got to make, I, I'm definitely, I'm putting pressure on everyone that I've worked with to be like, we got to dismantle the gender binary in dance because yes. that's also not part of, of arts. And I don't really, we, we should be, we should be ahead of that. Like yeah. we should definitely yeah. try to be ahead of that. Yeah. Um, to make, to make dance a, the space that it's supposed to be, which is inclusive uh, at, at, at its core, it's inclusive. And then there's a lot to be explored that we don't have the answer to. And it's supposed to evolve, right? It's supposed mm. to keep moving forward. You're supposed to imitate what we did and just stop there and be like, yeah. great, I nailed it. Like, <laughs> right. awesome. Right. So do you, what is your, do you have a definite kickball change moment in your life? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so many. And I love that term. I think that term is so useful. I was, I was um, in, in the prep for this, for this podcast, I was sort of wrapping my head around it. And I was like, this is so many. Um, becoming a choreographer was <laughs> shot out of a cannon. So I, maybe people <laughs> change for like a leap forward. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I also had to sort of let go of the notion that I, like I had to evaluate like, okay, well, if I'm going to focus on choreography and directing and, and being in that leadership position, that's also something to focus on that I can't just like, I have to change my mind about how I see myself as a dancer, mm -hmm. you know, and what jobs I try to um, pursue because they also define my experience. You know, mm -hmm. am I trying to pursue these? Why am I trying to pursue these jobs? Is it because everyone else does it or I'm supposed to do that as a dancer? Yeah. Or, or is it really something, you know, that I want? <laughs> yeah. Um, or you so just need normal. to make money so you can pay your rent. That's a big one. Yeah. I mean, I definitely <laughs> spend years hustling because of the need to. Yeah, um, and yeah because I had to. Yeah. Uh, but that also brought in some awareness of my body because I, became, I was a personal trainer for a while, like certified and everything and really studied 
to be able to train clients. Mm -hmm. That was like my side hustle. (laughs) So that helped me actually train better for me. So amen. You know, (laughs) yeah, I've definitely seen my, my, my work as a dancer helps me, informs my, my work as a creative in general, as a director, um, as a artist manager too. Uh, I'm definitely, I'm just, I'm just a creative person operating on a different, you know what I'm saying? On a different playing field. I understand how to communicate with other people. We don't have to like get along. I can, I Mm. can kind of dance <laughs> you know what I'm saying I can navigate different spaces so you um, dance around the people that's what my um my fiance says he's a lawyer he's like I'm going to dance today I'm like oh that means he's going to court and he's got to dance along with the other <laughs> to make it work right so yes. dancing is always in everyone's world whether they want to he can't dance he has two left right. feet but he dances <laughs> every day in court so there you go no it's I I really agree I really agree that I think dancers are bring a lot of value to the table. It's just, it's unfortunate that we're a little bit conditioned as a, as a group. I'm speaking as a group, so not individual, but we're a little bit conditioned to not really understand our worth. Uh, we're not a little bit conditioned to not ask for more, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, to not, and not just like money, but just like respect and right. time and breaks right. and Right. And also to be a little more like we, we tend to just kind of like, especially if you're dancing and you've been dancing and made, done a lot of big group work, <laughs> you can tend to just be very kind of obedient and subservience. That's mm-hmm. a mentality that's very dancer. Mm-hmm. And that's also something that I think we should all look at to how can we educate dancers to maybe not be so that way. And also how, like in what way am I, exhibiting that behavior myself Mm -hmm. you know i'm saying am i waiting for someone to hire me for something or try to fit into their mold that they've created i mean they've just created a mold right well i can create a mold too right 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 (laughs) i love that yeah why not yeah i mean that's how i approach the the casting and i I try not it's not a mold i try to just be like i just want to see movers that Mm. Maybe they have to resonate with a certain genre of music. Okay. Maybe that's the direction, but I don't really care if they're like, I'm not, I don't put an age bracket on it either. Mm-hmm. Like I, I love like young dancers, older dancers. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that's the thing about Merce Cunningham full circle is mm-hmm. Merce Cunningham's whole studio was not, it wasn't like this, like red, like the classes were open. Yeah. <laughs> It, it, they were like the oh, there was open classes. Then there was like a level a level above that, and then there was the advanced level company mm-hmm. class. And the way that the training was, it was just like, well, if you feel like you can do it, you're here. Like, do it, do it. Yeah. So there's like older artist people from like downtown New York that just really loved Merce's philosophy and weren't mm-hmm. really like maybe dancers that would participate in mm-hmm. the, the training because everybody was accepted. Good. Yeah. Yes. It was like a community and it didn't take anything away from like the training was hard, like hard, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really, really complicated. And sometimes even like company, like company members would take class with, with everyone and vice versa, you know? And of course, sometimes it was just them and that's fine. They have their own space and they needed to train a certain way for whatever they were doing. But generally it was a very fluid community. So that has imprinted for me the same mentality. I value that. I don't see it as like something I accept. Oh, that's so nice. Like, mm." it's like, I value that. I think that's an asset. Yes. Yes. Agree. (laughs) Definitely agree. Um, 
even my mom would come and say class and she'd be like do you think i can say class <laughs> <laughs> she's like and she's like 70 now oh. right and i'm like yeah mom just come there's another lady over here love it <laughs> 74 then my mom would be like okay cool and it would just it wasn't disruptive or anything it was just great it's funny because when i was younger and i used to take frank hatchett's class in manhattan Mm -hmm. there was a little old lady that was always there at the 12 30 class every time she was on the stage on the side right all the time and she was this little old lady that never ever missed class i don't know what she did i mean She, Mm -hmm. she couldn't barely walk, but she was in there moving around. It was great. And then like one day she wasn't there. I'm like, wait, what happened? Yeah. And then she passed away. It was so sad. But like every, it didn't matter that she was in the class with all these younger, like I was 20. Right. And there she was like, I don't know. She had to be 70 by then. Like it was crazy. And everybody loved her. And then that, the one day that she wasn't there was like sad. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's awesome. Like that, that's, that is inspiring and that inspires yeah. art. I feel like it's not, I mean, yeah, I could talk for hours about this because it's really <laughs> imprinted me so much that I think that that's sort of what has carried me through, even though I wasn't like the right body type for this and that and the other thing, mm. or, mm. you know, whatever it was that the world, that that world was sort of telling me or not telling me, mm-hmm. but because I had spent time in a real, and also I want to give a lot of credit to communities, um, like other dance communities, like more street style, uh, mm-hmm. and BIPOC communities for really n- being the opposite of, um, of that, like weird body dysmorphic <laughs> yeah. Yeah. trend that is in dance, but that those communities like engaging with like house dance is super accepting of everything. Um, I, I'm very closely connected to the crumb community. Um, I love the light feet community, like breaking, like mm-hmm. it's, you, you just get different information when you engage with those communities for real. Yeah. So we're definitely going to have to set up another podcast with you for, for your creative freedoms and the creative acceptance. Um, but so as we're starting to wrap this up, I know I want to give the floor to our, our two girls here. Um, if there's any other questions that they, they want to, uh, put to you, if you wouldn't mind answering, but, uh, Liebe, we'll definitely have you back on again. This has been yeah, so fun. So, rad. <laughs> so fun. I could listen to your little accent forever. <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely ask like for both of us, for a high school senior and a high school junior, it, like, is there any advice that you wish you had known that you would tell us and like a younger audience in the dance community that maybe like you, if you had known it would have benefited you when you were younger? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would have loved to know that not to be so stressed out about age and not to be in a rush to accomplish certain things within a certain age, I would have loved for someone to really try to dismantle that as I was, as I was growing up, because that was definitely stressful Mm. to be like, Oh my God, I gotta be and because it's, it's not true. (laughs) It's just not true that that is, that is something that we have sort of adopted from ballet world. And even Mm. in ballet world, I really want to question like the validity of why specifically women all have to be, five and a half years old (laughs) (laughs) like i'm i'm just not i don't see in in our human evolution and how we can we can feed and nourish ourselves and take care of ourselves and take care of our bodies 
and, and move mindfully, I don't see that being, I, I think that's a complete fallacy. And I wish some, I wish I had had more of that reiterated to me because that became like a weird hamster wheel chase of, <laughs> yeah, of something. Um, cause I would have taken, that would have changed. The, the reason I say that is because I would have maybe changed my strategy a little bit. I would have taken a little bit more time to even, I would have done maybe one more year of school before I got into, um, the the hustle of being yeah. a dancer yeah. because I wouldn't have felt rushed. I would have felt like I can do this. I can stay here. It's okay. But I felt like, no, I have to get it moving right, right now. Right. No. Yeah. That's yeah. something that I really wish. Um, yeah. That someone <laughs> would have maybe reassured me a little bit of. Yeah. Okay. All I right. Can't think of anything else. Mm-hmm. Do you have any questions for us? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I, I could also literally sit and talk about Again, we're going to have a whole another podcast of we're going to have to go back and forth because I think that's great. The idea of, of the, the our guest interviewing, you know, our co-host <laughs> <laughs> will change the script completely in and of itself with a creative acceptance, you know, turn it completely on edge. <laughs> Ms. Barbara, anything I, else? <laughs> no, not it. Well, another time because I know we're, we're running out of time. But yeah, another time. there's so much to talk about so much I'm so passionate about this topic I'm so grateful that you invited me and that we could have this chat so fun thank you it's really invigorating and just to hear the feedback and hear you guys thoughts is so it's really inspiring and thank you for building the community absolutely and again we're you know we're we're grassroots so we're we're, we just want to continue to evolve and inspire and I think that's you know that's what it's all about and that's that's what the arts are the arts are part of our culture of inspiring whether it's musicians it's dancers it's um on stage off stage actors it's that that's what gets us through that's what you know makes us feel good and and it's therapeutic it's it allows us that open release and you know if it was introduced maybe more at a younger age and accepted more at a younger age um you know we could have a whole yeah. Well, she had, generation. <laughs> yeah. Your mom was great because she introduced you to that. Absolutely. But, but here in America, it's not it's not very big. Like mm-hmm. parents are, are a little um, naive and they don't mm-hmm. really know. Right. Like you probably see it. I see it all the time. That's a whole nother yeah. subject. Totally. <laughs> whole nother podcast about, about parents. I, I think it also comes down if we really want to get into it when we're going to get into it. It comes down to the support of the arts in general. In general. That it's not accessible for no. everybody. And mm-hmm. that makes of course, everyone's hustling to survive. Right. So who has time to right. like be like, I wonder what the Joyce is playing today. We should yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So that, that's a whole topic of itself. Yes, and I, it I definitely have a lot of things about that. Too. Okay. There you go. Well, we will definitely have you back, Liuba. It has been a pleasure. Um, our co-hosts, are, they were just enthralled when they got to see uh, your, your creativity on stage. And, and, you know, again, as dancers, our art is it's captivating in a theater and COVID has shifted everything. We're lucky enough that music videos are out and, uh, you know, we're gracious for the talents like you who are still bringing that creative raw edge that are, that are showcasing an open acceptance for everyone in a music video, you know, so rock on sister, rock on. (laughs) Yes. Awesome. All right. So that concludes our podcast for today. Again, listeners, thanks for joining to the kickball change podcast. And uh, we hope to have you back soon. Thanks for listening to the kickball change podcast for more episodes, information, or feedback. Make sure you check us out at the kickballchange.com.